Helo a chroeso i bodlediad yr Academy Genedlaethol ar gyfer arweinyddiaeth a ddysgol yng Nghymru. Podlediad sy'n rhannu materion ac arferion arweinyddiaeth allweddol ar draws y sector addysg yma yng Nghymru ac yn rhyngwladol. Hello and welcome to the podcast from the National Academy for Educational Leadership in Wales. A podcast that shares key leadership issues and practices across the education sector here in Wales and internationally. The National Academy for Educational Leadership's podcast is being recorded via Zoom. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Good morning. Welcome to the second podcast in a series of three in which we'll be discussing in some detail the latest release in the Leadership Academy's Insight series, a report entitled More Than a Sticking Plaster, um, written by Dr. Alice Davis from the Anarin Bevan University Health Board. This report builds on the Academy's own survey of school leaders in 2021 uh, and seeks both to understand the demands placed on school leaders and to identify the resources needed to create sustainable leadership in Welsh education today. If you haven't seen the report or read it already, you can of course find it on our website and I recommend it to you. In this, the second episode of our three-part series, we'll be looking at what the report tells us about the experience of leaders. And to help me, I'm delighted to introduce Dr. Ali Davis, Russell Dwyer, and Karen Lawrence. Perhaps you could just begin by introducing yourselves and letting our listeners know how you earn your keep. Karen Lawrence, and I am currently the head at Llanfais Primary School, which is in Brecon, part of the um, Beacons here. And I'm also a member of the National Academy um, as part of Cohort One. Thank you very much. Uh, Ali? Morning, Ian. I'm Ali Davis, clinical psychologist. I work in Anirin Bevan University Health Board, uh, working mental health. And I've just been enjoying the last year um, exploring some more of the uh, experiences of senior leaders as part of this role for um, Leadership Academy. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And Russ? Uh, morning, Ian. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Russell Dwyer. I'm head teacher at St. Thomas Community Primary School in Swansea. Fantastic. And I'm Ian Gerard, head teacher of Uskalaba Conway here in Conway and an associate of the Leadership Academy. Um, OK, um, great. Well, perhaps we could start um, just by asking a question. Uh, what did we ask of school leaders in putting together this report? Ali, perhaps you'd like to start us off with that one. Absolutely. So on the back of the uh, Leadership Academy survey from 2020, 987 people had already offered a huge amount of information about um, what the strengths and challenges were in relation to being a senior leader and um, really gave a sense that well-being um, was was a really significant issue for them. So this insight piece offered us an opportunity to explore in greater detail what some of those underlying issues were that that kind of contributed to that experience. So there was a kind of few ways we did that. Firstly, by um, having a questionnaire that was sent to retired or um, people that had left the profession, senior leaders. And we asked about their experiences around uh, belonging, around their sense of purpose, around how valued they felt and asking any kind of ideas about specific ways things could be better. We also created focus groups which were run on Zoom and we were uh, met with deputy heads and uh, separately deputy and assistant heads in one group and head teachers and others and really that was to explore more in greater detail what their experience of being a senior leader was so their um, 
the things they enjoyed in CPD, continuing professional development, their questions about how we could best um, develop leadership skills and support leaders to um, feel more valued in their work as a kind of key idea to explore. And really more about what the role of head was like, what it was like to be a senior leader in a school. Um, so lots of people shared a lot of experiences about um, their day-to-day -day experience, which we were then able to unpack. Thanks, Ali. That's, that's really uh, interesting, useful background. And I know certainly as, uh, and as a head teacher myself, you know, really um, enjoyed the opportunity to get involved in, uh, you know, responding to some of those questions and to, you know, being able to voice, uh, you know, how I was feeling, I guess, but also some of the, some of the pressures um, and some of the issues that, that we face in schools today. So, so, so thanks for that. And perhaps we, we can move on and perhaps, uh, perhaps Karen, perhaps we, we can move on to, to a second question, which is, um, you know, how are leaders feeling? Now, obviously, you know, there's plenty of detail uh, on this in the, uh, you know, in the Insight report. Um, but, you know, perhaps updating us on, on how things are going in school at the moment and, uh, and how you're feeling um, will be a really interesting insight. I think the report sums up lots of the feelings that are still current, really, for um, leaders and certainly for my colleagues that I've, I've spoken to about this and about you know, my own feelings as well, obviously. Um, I don't think it would be underestimated just how difficult the last two years and even, even the last term has been. And I think we, it would be foolhardy to think that the issues have disappeared or are disappearing. I think they are still there. And I think there are many factors around that. Um, I think currently, if I'm really honest, I think tiredness is a major factor. Um, I think myself and others are saying that it's just worn down by everything, especially as external accountability is now increasing at quite a rapid rate, it feels. Um, that is definitely a factor in it. But also, as leaders, what I've noticed myself trying to do, and I've noticed it with some of my other colleagues as well, is that because we have had to constantly be a role model, a positive role model in difficult situations, it is very, very wearing. So I really support and I like the idea in the paper about having a safe space for heads that we could we could turn to. I know the idea, there was the idea suggested about having um, uh, peer triads, isn't there, in the paper, um, somebody that you can turn to that you could actually share ideas with, if you like, um, and share how you're feeling with, because that is probably the hardest thing to do. I personally have found the hardest thing to do has been to admit that this really is tough and that it's okay to feel that it's tough because I think often as heads we feel that we can't say how tough it is because it's almost perceived as a weakness so yeah I think it's still really hard at the moment and I know that really you know the whatsapp group has been my savior on many occasions and we couldn't see people face to face so it's been that whatsapp group that has kept me going but I think if that could somehow be formalised into a system-wide approach, then I think that would help our leaders at the moment. There's so much of a disconnect as well between, I feel, between the middle tier and schools. And I think that disconnect needs to be bridged. 
Yeah, thanks, Karen. That's great. Russ, does that, does that chime with, with yourself, obviously, uh, and also, you know, in terms of your um, interpretation uh, of the report itself? Yeah, it, re it really does. Um, I think, you know, if we look at sort of leadership and challenges uh, before the pandemic, they, they were there. You know, this report would have been um, purposeful at that point in time. But considering now we've actually been through a pandemic, I think, you know, if we're looking at what leaders feel like at this point in moment, I think shell shock is a is a word really. I think you know we've 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 been through so much over the last two years, and now we are moving towards a sort of a, a, a new normality. Um, but actually, you know, the, the experiences that we've all had, and not just leaders, but everybody within society, will play a part in the way that we move move forward. Um, I think you know one of the things that we talk about, and it's mentioned in the report as well, is about resilience and recognizing that our resilience isn't fixed but actually, you know, it, it changes depending on our experiences and where we are. And I think generally resilience is, is low, you know, it's, it's lower because of the experiences that we've been through. And we have to acknowledge that as leaders for our, for our staff and our, our the, the communities that we serve, but also in our, in ourselves as well. And that's why it's really pertinent that we are having this discussion and, and looking at what we can do to, to make sure that we are all supported as leaders, but also, also everyone else involved with schools. There is a, a lack of connection between schools and, and heads and um, the, the middle tier. I think when we were in the midst of, of COVID and the pandemic, there was a feeling that we were just concentrating on the key things, the really most important things that we had to do. And moving forward out of that, I think there was a there was a feeling that this this would be a positive you know we would really concentrate on the key things but there has been quite a quick move i feel like karen said to back to where we were before really and uh, and and perhaps not necessarily acknowledgement of what we actually been through this academic year you know from a from a personal point of view huge staffing issues last last term um that will have an impact on the functioning of a, of a school that will have the impact on the, on, the, on the, the pressures of the staff. So we can't just act as if nothing has happened. We have to reflect on that process and reflect on that, that experience. And I think the idea of being a compassionate leader and compassionate leadership is mentioned, um, it's mentioned in the paper. And that's something I think we really need to explore as a, as a profession um, and making sure we have got that space, safe space that Karen spoke about for ourselves as well as our staff. Yeah, thanks, Russ. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's interesting. Isn't it? I was uh, being the uh, relentless optimist that I am. Um, I was really pleased that, uh, you know, in addition to, to some of the things that you've mentioned, um, that the interviews with head teachers who've left the profession within the last two years, you know, did pick out that, uh, you know, they felt that, um, you know, despite those things, they felt that the work had purpose and that they had, you know, control over, over their role and, and what they were doing. Um, and that they had, you know, a, a real sense of belonging um, of the work. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, you're right, the challenges are, are many and various, and, and you've mentioned some of the issues around that. But I think the rewards are also, um, you know, evident for um, existing. Uh, and, you know, as, as I said, head teachers who've left, uh, re left the profession recently. So thank you. Yes, Sally. And I think that's a really good point. That kind of leads me to think, I guess, really how um, we kind of, um, sectioned up the data in a way so I think it's really fair to say that sense of belonging and sense of purpose is is appears to be really high across senior leaders and that that's an incredibly motivating force and um, you know when we're talking about the various demands that senior leaders have these are senior leaders that really expect the workload to be demanding and really expect 
responsibility to be high. So it's not that kind of we're talking about people where necessarily resilience is low, but that we don't have enough. Um, we haven't. There's not enough evidence that there are sufficient resources to meet the demands, and that's the kind of uh, this report tries to break down um, where senior leaders are speaking about the various demands that they're facing. We then need to look at how we meet each of those demands adequately. So there's a psychological model um, called the job demands resource model of burnout, and Miriti and et al spoke about. Um, job demands in themselves being absolutely necessary and appropriate. You know, they could be physical workload, time pressure, contact with parents, et cetera. Um, but too many of them can lead to exhaustion. And resources are also, you know, really needed. Too few of them lead to disengagement and the combination of the two can lead to burnout. And what really came across speaking with senior leaders in the focus groups um, was that the sheer variety and complexity of demands just weren't adequately met with with adequate resources um, not that those demands in themselves any one of them was kind of manageable and um, I think the other point just to pick up on, on something Karen said it feels absolutely um, imperative to kind of say these were pre-existing themes that you know far predated the pandemic and um, the Leadership Academy's survey outlined a number of key um, challenges that head teachers and senior leaders fed back around accountability measures and the um, inspection process and staffing and personal issues and actually the uh, pandemic kind of came and added a load of complexity to each of those and kind of blew it out of the water so in addition to um, you know low recruitment you get sickness absence and increased you know all, all these things were kind of compounded by many many social um factors around so the context within which education sits is absolutely imperative brilliant thank you and i think you've, you've touched on um, on that um the the next question that i had written down really which is you know what do what does want to happen in response to the kind of some of the things that we've, we've just been discussing around how they're feeling so um has anybody got any thoughts on on that um absolutely i think that speaking personally and um, obviously, having spoken to other colleagues as well, I think that I would like an honest recognition of just what our school systems have been through over the last two years, and we're dealing with prior to that. I think that's a really key point that Russell made. I think that um, an open discussion about how, an open and transparent discussion about how that has actually affected our schools and our systems is really needed. And I think our middle leaders need to do more than just use the word well-being. I seem to hear this word well-being thrown out in so many different contexts in, you know, in meetings, yet it isn't followed through with actual um, practical or real support. It's just, oh, yes, we're very concerned about your well-being, but there's no so what after it. And I think that really does need to be addressed you know well-being is an is an action it's not just a word it's not a noun it's something that we need to do and we need to really work on that and I think that would then make or hopefully make um, leaders and I mean leaders at all levels in schools then feel more appreciated for what they've gone through I think society hasn't perhaps recognized the the role that schools have played during the pandemic fully enough and it's not that we want a pat on the back or a big clap or anything like that, 
we just would like that to be recognised and, and built upon really moving forward. That I, I do feel that um, that isn't at the moment what I'm seeing um, at, you know, certainly in, in my experience. I get the words, but I don't get the actions. That really touches on, um, so the, the data that was analysed was kind of broken down into separate sections and that massively speaks to some of the psychological demands of being a senior leader, whereby not only are you absorbing so much of um, other people's needs in terms of parents and staff and young people and leading um, that for their well-being, but there's a huge kind of top-down and a, a real sense across senior leadership that there's a disconnect between um, what the expectations are and what the re real role of being a head teacher is, that there's such a huge gap there. And it, it feels very much like um, sometimes it's not about doing something different differently from middle tier to senior leaders, but more about the way things are communicated, the way people are consulted and um, having a greater sense of proximity to what the role actually is in terms of quite an isolated role. The role is rewarding. We wouldn't be doing it otherwise. You know that we we have the opportunity to make a, a real difference in people's lives. And another thing I think the pandemic um, did was actually, as as Can said, really illustrates how much schools do for communities and engage with their communities beyond just pupils learning. You know the, the support that we were offering throughout the pandemic in many different ways. So it is a rewarding role. But also I feel that we really need to have some space to be able to do that role. I think one of the points that were, was raised in, in one of the comments, I think, within the paper was about the, the fact that people felt that there was a struggle to actually be strategic and had been more operational. Well, to be strategic, we have to have that space to be able to reflect on what we what we feel our our community, our schools need. And, and that that there's a constant sort of accountability and pressure that perhaps has stopped, prevents us from doing that. It's that it's that disconnect that really doesn't help that strategic um, approach flow. Yeah, just to follow on from Russ's point, really, is that in school this week, I've literally said to staff, that's it, I'm pressing the pause button, because everything seemed to be ranking back up. So we've got everything else suddenly kicking in. We've just had our SV2, all of that. And I could see the tension rising in the school. So I have literally said, that's it, I'm pressing pause, because I feel that we need time again. You know, we can't and get back up to the speed that we were before right at this point we've still got staff going off we've still got children off etc but where is that pause button in our system who is actually saying right having enough courage to say our schools need time and that pause button needs to be or even like you know you can go like times too slower sort of thing even not just to, to not stop just a pause and a slowdown and I think that the, if they did that in the short term the long term would have better effects because Russ is right this is the best job in the world you know, but that's why we do it we love it but in order for it to keep being like that I think we do need to think seriously about pausing. Thanks Karen yeah I mean I was really struck by the um, the, the two things that were identified or, or the two main headings that were identified as um, Kind of resource areas to, to support um, school leaders, uh, namely the, the system focused resources and the, the individual focused resources. Uh, and for me, um, uh, finding um, those individual focused resources has, has always been a challenge. Um, and I think there's a real role here for the regions to play. Um, it is, 
again, perhaps speaking personally, but it's very much a, a kind of bespoke response that sometimes I require. And, and I think this, this ties in with what you're saying, Karen, that it's somebody who knows me and, and knows my school well enough to say, you know, now is the time to, to pause, as you suggest, um, or now is the time to accelerate, or you know, now's the time to step back, or whatever it may be. And, and, and I think that perhaps that relationship that I have, I appreciate that uh, regions have different titles, but the, uh, the relationship I have with, with my SIA, uh, improvement advisor here in Guare, uh, you know, is the start point of that, isn't it? Somebody who knows the school really well, who can, you know, be as effective at taking the temperature as I can as head teacher, um, uh, and can offer me support um, and a response, uh, you know, when when I'm looking for it, you know, would be really helpful. Yeah, I was just really thinking about the kind of demands Karen was talking about, and that, um, you know, performance-based demands on on what what senior leaders are expected to do was a, was a really significant part of, of all the demands covered, you know, impact of overwhelming workload, that perception where, um, the perception of excessive scrutiny on outcomes being such a driving force for um, a sense of resentment, sometimes anger in the profession, and also a really kind of demotivating impact on being able to actually do the job you're trying to do. And um, so a real sense that the more you're meeting bureaucracy bureaucratic needs, the less able you are to think strategically in your school and really meet individual needs um, in your community. Just that sense of purpose can be really diminished. And I guess what we know from the research is that people do well in their jobs when they are um, valued and have a sense of autonomy and a sense of mastery over, over their work and have the um, skills and the resources and, and essentially the support uh, to do those things. I think a lot came out around organisational demands as well in the sense that um, you've got the kind of the doing stuff, you've got the how it feels, so you've got the performance base, the psychological demands, and then the organisational demands themselves bring a whole other layer around um, being accountable to so many different masters um, in middle tier and feeling that by the time you get to a senior leader role, the expectation is you just do it and you're, um, it's, it's kind of hard to continue to develop there's an, there's an expectation that um, you're, you're not needing that at that point in your career that you do that for others that, that that's not something that's appropriate for you and um, which really ties into a kind of lack of awareness of what people need in their roles to stay steady thank you that's great I, i'm going to move on slightly although again you know I think we're kind of touching on this now thinking about um the impact that perhaps other people have on the uh, the role of a senior leader in school and i wonder from from your perspectives you know, how might a change to policy make a real difference for senior leaders in schools today? Personally, I think that that is critical because, you know, what Ali has just said, and what I said before, what Ross, Russ has said, we're all saying, in my opinion, that it, it should be, and so non-negotiable, if you like, in the system, that it's okay to feel all these things, that it, we shouldn't feel guilt if we aren't able to fill in our I know, data trawl or whatever at a certain point, it's okay not to do that. And I think if we could have system understanding of that, that we are all different and that we all need to work at different speeds and we sometimes need to work differently. We do it for our children in our classes. We have differentiation. We have a differentiated approach to our children and yet we do not seem to have a differentiated approach to our schools and to our leaders. It's one size fits all. It feels that it's one size fit all. 
I do think that, Ian, I agree with you, we have in the system some superb, you know, um, school improvement officers who do get it, but that isn't necessarily system-wide. So I think anything that we can do to change policy, to change understanding, uh, and to um, reduce that disconnect can only be a positive for us as leaders in, in schools. Yeah, and I, and I I agree with what Karen said. Then you know the the school improvement advisors or change advisors are, are there to sort of support support you in that in that development. But I I also feel, and again, it's mentioned in the paper that almost perhaps perhaps we need something separate. We need something away from that that is just for us and doesn't lead to any form of accountability or any form of data measures or whatever. You know, it's it's separate for us and what you know, talking similar to suppose supervision and in the other walks of life. Something that is, you know, a safe space that we feel that we can be completely honest and and, and talk. Like from a personal point of view, I feel that is, you know, currently that, that my avenue for that is my colleagues or my 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 cluster heads. You know, we have a, a close relationship and they they are the people that I would go to and have that conversation. But perhaps we need something a little bit more formalized. There may be heads, there may be new heads coming into the role who haven't got those support networks around them that they that they would um would, would need to develop over a period of time. And, and you know, so th those things perhaps we need to be be looking at as well. And you know, if I if I think about my career, I you know I trained to be a teacher. I didn't train to be a, a head teacher. The role is very very different, um, and perhaps we need to be putting in more support for the next, um, you know, the future the, the future generation of head teachers really to make sure they are really supported and ready for that role. I don't know if you can ever be ready for the role. If I'm being honest, you never you never know what's going to come up day to day and, and throw in a pandemic, and it's it's even stranger. But actually, perhaps we need to be supporting those future heads more um, in a more consistent um, way. Yeah, thanks, Russ. And it's interesting, isn't it, that, uh, you know, in that initial survey we did back in 2021, you know, 75% of uh, school leaders identified workload as the um, the most significant or, or having the most significant impact on their well-being. And it seems to me that that chimes exactly with, with what you're saying. For me, um, trying to support head teachers in the context of workload is about and providing appropriate training and support in terms of how to manage that workload, but also providing the resources to um, generate capacity to, um, you know, to, to address that, that specific issue. Um, so yeah, certainly lots of things that, that could be um, applied at policy level there, I think. Yeah, I've got lots of thoughts, I suppose, hearing, um, you know, um, Russ and Karen talk, talk these ideas through. I guess one of the things that strikes me is in 2016, one of the um, pieces of literature I read spoke about 18 to 40 percent of senior leaders or head teacher roles being empty. So clearly there's a huge issue. And in a way, that really significant um, problem does give an opportunity to really figure out what, what on earth is going on here, you know, from the beginning of career to end of career, what's going on. and and the, the um, Leadership Academy kind of really commissioning this piece to look into that in greater detail then is really critical because I think, yes, we can have a new policy and would absolutely welcome that, but the policy, any policy is only as robust as the context within which it sits. And actually what the policy says is important, but how it's enacted and how it's signed up to and what it leads in terms of the experience of senior leaders is absolutely critical. And I don't think we can, um, you know, I don't think there's one new policy that can kind of answer all these, it's, you know, it's a really complex issue, answer all these issues. So by taking um, the demands kind of one by one, this report is a kind of first 
first draft really to then think right what does this look like and and the recommendation which I know we'll speak more about in the next podcast and try and outline how are we meeting what resources are we providing to meet each of these demands but the work is absolutely not done you know this very much is an early stage identifying what's going on and the compassionate leadership idea that Russ mentioned you know is I think is a really useful um, hook to hang the hats on for some of these issues and there's fundamentally often in large organizations a um, a misunderstanding that by focusing on outcomes that's how we get good outcomes and what I think we can really clearly see across the experience of senior leaders is that we need to be focusing elsewhere and that um, good outcomes come from people feeling robust and steady in their role and that there are a number of factors that lead to that many of which are far, are far removed from outcomes but adversely do then create better outcomes for children. Thank you, that's really interesting. Um, I, I think um, just perhaps to, to round off our, our conversation, you can, you can tell um, having asked uh, you know, a couple of questions to, to serving heads, you know, once, the, once the questions are asked, sometimes the, the floodgates um, open and we've all got plenty to say for ourselves. I, I wonder perhaps just reflecting on the experience of writing the report uh, and completing the survey, um, you know, what, what we feel were people's experiences of, of being asked these questions. Um, in some senses, you know, it, it is, it's cathartic to have this conversation, isn't it? Um, you know, was there a sense that, that leaders enjoyed being involved in this conversation uh, and there was a real sense of, of momentum, um, you know, as the report uh, is written and published, do you think? I think people did on the whole give feedback that they really valued being asked and I think it um, says a lot about Leadership Academy's focus that that's something that piece of work's been commissioned. I think it gave an opportunity to really explore um, experiences that have been more superficially previously only had the opportunity to kind of get a more superficial understanding um, and absolutely um, there was a huge sense of feeling and I was really struck by you know, senior leaders in education aren't just doing a job, are they? It's absolutely a lifestyle and it's a kind of three, six, five um, role. I guess there's a there's a kind of, um, a, I'm aware that at the same time, this needs to then move somewhere. So it can be, you know, really hopeful, can't it? It can bring a lot of um, expectation and a sense of drive to kind of have a conversation and think, oh, something's happening. But I'm I'm aware that there's also a sense of, perhaps cynicism in the profession that at times where previous um, endeavours or interventions have happened and it hasn't felt enough or not quite at the right time. So I think there's, there'll be, I imagine, um, and you'll have to ask senior leaders this, but I imagine there'll be a kind of sense of hell breath about well, what does this mean next then? Thank you. Yeah, uh, that's, you know, I think that's absolutely very true. And of course, um, if nothing else, um, the immediate action uh, people can take is to join us for, um, you know, the third episode in this uh, series of podcasts. Um, but, uh, you know, in the meantime, I'm very grateful to you all for joining me this morning. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's been really interesting just to just to talk through that report um, and to gain some insight into, uh, you know, how people respond to it and, and how people have, have found it reading it through. So thank you very much indeed. Uh, and I look forward to, um, to, to meeting up with some of you again uh, in edition three. Gobeithion eich bod wedi mwyn hair bennod hon o bodlediad yr Academy Arwynyddiaeth. Tan ysgrifiwch ar Spotify, podlediadau Apple neu Google a pheidiwch byth â cholli penod. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leadership Academy podcast. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts and never miss an episode.